0: I'm Austin Cabot, and today I'm in Torrance, California, with the national sales manager for the automotive side of Alpine Stars, Mr. Chris Thompson. How's it going, Chris?
1: Hey, what's up, Austin? Thanks for
0: coming down. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, my uh, we're pleasure. actually we're sitting in your guys' uh, I guess multi-use space, but it's set up right now is uh, pretty much as a showroom, and it seems like almost every single product you guys have is is represented here right now. So
1: pretty much, and like I was telling you earlier, this room really changes week. Over a week, yeah, everything changes. We could have a dealer meeting coming up, like I was telling you next month, or it's just a casual setup like it is right now, to where you see every piece from every division. Yeah, uh, so it's a little overwhelming at times. Yeah, it, it is, is,
0: especially for somebody like myself that rides motorcycles and you know. Goes go karting and you know drives cars on track. It's just like, oh my gosh, this is like everything that I need. This is I need this to be my closet,
1: right? So it's like a <laughs> kid in a candy store almost. Whenever you walk in, you know that you came in for a focus for a specific item or something like that, but you're yeah. so distracted by everything else that's here. Yeah, absolutely, that's <laughs> absolutely kind of the, man. That's kind of the idea, really. And it, though this isn't a public showroom for. Consumers to actually come in and see whenever we have our dealers here and they get to see the product, at least they get to have hands-on with it. And then they also get a taste of everything else that we have in the company as well. Because there's a lot of guys out there that don't really realize that we're into mountain biking Mm -hmm. or the mountain biking crowd doesn't know that we're in the auto yeah, or that we're in the women's casual wear or men's casual wear, like the new Oscar line or anything like that. So it's really kind of cool to bring them up here and open their eyes to everything that Alpine Stars is doing now.
0: Yeah. Now, how did the company start? I mean, originally, I kind of, I knew about Alpine Stars from motorcycling, mm-hmm. you know, and, and from seeing like motocross mm-hmm. stuff and, you know, motorcycle suits. And it wasn't really until I started getting into, you know, the car thing that I was like, oh, Alpine Stars' car stuff, too? Awesome. So, like, do you know what the original, like, I guess, foundation of the company was?
1: Yeah, so Santi Mazzarolo is Gabriele's father, who started it in Italy. Okay. Alpine Stars was started in 1963 in Italy. Oh, wow. Yeah, by Santi. He actually started doing boots and things like that for motocross. That's okay. where it all derived from. And really, I would suggest that any of your listeners really check out our website. And if you scroll down to the bottom and hit the About Us Link on there. There's a really cool video that will explain it far better than I could ever do it justice here. Okay. But definitely a really cool story, 1963 until now. The U.S. headquarters here has been here since the 80s. So we've been just progressively growing. Though we started out with the motocross boots, you know, like we're talking today, I'm the national sales manager for the auto side of things. That came about about 10 years ago. And then you have the cycling side, the women's side, all of that. That's just about ever since so we yeah. just continue to look forward to the future and to see where our expertise can take us and where else we can get into
0: yeah and i mean there's a lot of very very high quality stuff that you guys make pretty much everything is as of pretty much the highest quality that you can get uh, and that's what i've always liked about the brand a lot and for me you know it's one of those brands that i can support knowing that they support a bunch of the other things that i like doing too so <laughs> you know it's yeah. um At least for me, like Alpine Stars is about everything that I enjoy. So
1: for me, being able to come here and and talk to you, it's kind of a a real pleasure for me. So, Well, and the pleasure's all mine. Really, to have this job is really kind of a a one-in-a-million type of an opportunity because just like you, this is where my passion lies. I grew up riding dirt bikes when I was a kid. I've been building cars since I was 16 or younger even, drag racing, doing various things. And anything automotive-related has always been to my heart. And then to be in this industry and working with it and making it what I get paid for, yeah you can't ask for any better, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah, and to be with such a, a top-notch company. I mean, I'm with the best company in the nation, arguably. yeah. yeah. For what we do
0: yeah and I, I really appreciate you being able to fit me in here too because I know we were trying to meet up at you know at Road Atlanta a couple of weeks ago um, but yeah I think there were some ke- some scheduling conflicts
1: so yeah like traffic in yeah. Atlanta yeah Not that it's any better here in LA <laughs> but traffic really was terrible in Atlanta yeah, especially so. if
0: you're trying to get up to like road Atlanta you know mid-afternoon
1: yeah uh, coming out of Atlanta that's exactly where I was going yeah because I think up you and I were meet somewhere right around Atlanta uh Johnny's house or somewhere yeah. like that yeah yeah so not very far from there. Yeah. And just traffic was horrendous. <laughs> and I'm listening to the radio and they said there was a car fire going one direction, there's a car turned over on the other side. <laughs> I was thinking, Am I in LA? Yeah, Where that's what I it at? sounds like, man. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. So sorry we had to go all the way across the country twice to finally get right. together, but you know, it's awesome that you're here.
0: And this is a, a little bit better uh location than you know, in the stinky pits at Road Atlanta. <laughs> right, and the weather's much better. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Nobody <laughs> likes Hotlanta, I'm sure.
0: So, actually, we're, I'm trying to find a way to move out here. So. Yeah, right. Hopefully,
1: well, hopefully, hopefully that'll happen. Absolutely. Hopefully you can make your way out here. You know, with your passion and what you love to do, there's a mecca for that out here. And yeah. You'll never go bored. Yeah. That's for sure. <laughs> there's
0: always going to be something to do.
1: Always. So, so, this weekend is the Grand Prix of Long Beach. That's yep. going to be a lot of fun. Last week was Formula D, as we were talking about. That was a blast. Even though, ironically, we had, or I shouldn't say ironically, but we had rain yeah it's it's unseasonably for us right we don't ever have rain and then here comes formula d and that was probably the weirdest thing i've ever seen Is you're seeing cars running at seven eight nine thousand rpms but they literally look like they're crawling around (laughs) the track there's no smoke there's no tire squeal yeah all you hear is just engine revs like they're (laughs) about to blow up and these cars are just barely crawling around these turns (laughs) just amazing to watch these cars and those drivers are phenomenally talented yeah they are i give them much respect for being able to do that in the rain yeah awesome
0: yeah i know uh you know some of our listeners might kind of discredit drifting a little bit um but if you've ever tried to do it uh it requires a lot a lot of car control so so two i have things. A, a large appreciation for those guys
1: i do too i give those guys much respect so two things is if somebody would let me do it absolutely i'll jump behind the wheel immediately no questions asked. So if anybody's out there listening and will let me in one of the cars, please do call me and let me know. <laughs> Secondly, though, I was a huge hater when it first came out, and we always associate it with figure skating because it's very subjective, and it really is. But whenever you're there live and you get to watch these guys and you see how close they really are, they are literally on each other's doors, yeah, following each other at high rates of speed. Yeah. Watching it on TV just doesn't do it justice. It's, it's kind of the same thing
0: with NASCAR, too. You know, I kind of discredited NASCAR <laughs> a little bit, but then you watch it and you see, you know, how close these guys are racing mm-hmm. at like 180 miles an hour, six inches off of somebody else. Oh, yeah. You know, it's, it's pretty ridiculous.
1: Yeah. I mean, the strategy that goes into their, their decisions, you know, whenever they're racing, whether they're drafting on somebody or they're going to go around them, whatever the case be, they're going to try to make a move. That's just epic. Yeah. Whenever you're there live, when you're watching on TV, you're sitting on the couch, you think you are the driver and you're <laughs> driving from your couch, it's not quite the same. You know? Yeah. You're like, well, they're just making a left. It can't be that hard. Yeah. Truly. Once you go see it live, it's just a whole other world, really.
0: Yeah. Which is another really cool thing about your job. Uh, you know, most of the people that listen to our show are into club racing and auto crossing and stuff like that. But, you know, with you being the automotive national sales manager, you're actually covering all different types of things, from desert racing to, you know, to all of your, your NASCAR stuff. And, you know, pretty much if there's safety equipment needed while you're behind the wheel of a motor vehicle, uh, you know, that's pretty much where your domain is.
1: Absolutely, because I'm looking for business development, essentially. Yeah. So whenever I'm looking for distributors for our product line, I'm trying to find every market that we're applicable to. Right. And that just simply leads me into Baja Racing, or midget racing, drag racing, whatever the case be. So I really get to see a whole handful of it. And then you and I were talking about NASA, the SCCA, all the club level guys. That is a huge market as well. Now you have Lucky Dog, you've got Chump Racing, you've got Lemons Racing, all the fun stuff, if you will. Yeah. But those guys still really need the fire suits and the yeah. fire safety equipment.
0: Yeah, pretty much any of the the wheel-to-wheel racing requires you know, a little bit more safety equipment than just normal track days do. So, yeah, and I mean, that's kind of where you
1: guys come in too.
0: Even yeah. even the track day guys can use yeah. safety equipment too. I yeah. mean, you it's know, it's definitely required. yeah, it's, it's definitely recommended, not, but Yeah,
1: it's recommended absolutely. So whenever I go out and do the technical trainings like at Road Atlanta, whenever I give those guys that training, it's really not recommended, or excuse me, it's not actually required for them to actually have any kind of fire suits on. They can just right. go out and have a good time essentially. But I put it in the perspective that, you know, you're out here at the track you're pushing yourself to the limit, and you're pushing your cars to the limit. So why not be prepared for the worst-case scenario, even though we're planning for the best, right? Right. I mean, we we look for the best outcome, but we need to really prepare for the worst. Yeah. And there's some vicious videos <laughs> on YouTube, and there's a couple that I've seen. I, I wouldn't want to be in any one of those accidents or those cars, but, man, I hope to God those guys had fire suits on. Yeah. There it was just,
0: one from a couple years ago, um, I think in Arizona, that – I think Tage Evanson or Evanston, I forget his exact name, uh, but he was in a Civic where like one of the fuel lines, I think, came loose, mm-hmm. and just the whole car was engulfed in flames in like a second and a half. Yeah. So there's yeah. that. I think uh, Jim Pantis, the the regional director for NASA Southeast, yeah. was involved in a pretty fiery collision at Mid-Ohio in 2012 at Nationals. Yeah, yeah he was. Um, yeah, and so that's a decent video there, too. And the Pink Panther... I yeah. think the car was a Pink Panther, the mm-hmm. Spec E thirty, so yeah. Um pretty wild. It, yeah. So
1: it could be just a spec car, a street car, and you're out there and then a fuel line gets ruptured or something like that, or you take a hard hit in the back and you rupture the fuel tank and now you're covered with fuel or it's at least in the cabin with you. Yeah. And you're having a hard time getting out. There was one story and I don't know the total story behind it, but it was used during one of the training seminars at the last NASA event at Road Atlanta. The guy had gotten into his car, and he got in so fast, he didn't look at his buckle and how he buckled himself in. He got into an accident. His car was fully engulfed in flames. Turned out to be his buckle was actually upside down. So the latch... He couldn't get out? Yeah, so the latch latch mechanism was facing towards his abdomen. Oh, wow. Yeah, so when you're in a fire, you can't see what you're doing. You're reaching by feel. Yeah. And as you're pressing around on your abdomen trying to hit this button (laughs) to let you go, he couldn't get it.
0: That's got to be a horrible feeling. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Thankfully, the other driver that hit him was out of his car and could hear the screams. Essentially, okay, he reached in, suffered his own burns, was able to get the latch undone, and they were both able to get away from it.
0: Okay, yeah, man,
1: pretty wild. that's Yeah, that So is. <laughs> not to scare anybody away, and that's not the point of this whole thing. You yeah, know? that's not the point of my trainings at all. I just want people to be in the know. Yeah, that's the only thing I want you I to pro Jason, man, the in the know. <laughs> yeah, in the know, right? I want you to go out and have a hell of a time because I do the same thing. I go 110%. Yeah. But the inevitable, inevitable could happen, you know? Yeah. And that's what we don't want to have happen.
0: Now, what do some of the safety trainings that you that you, you know, put on, what do they cover?
1: Just pretty much the fire safety suits. Okay. So the suits, the gloves, the shoes, and the underwear, and why they're important, and then kind of the background knowledge to it, you know, what are they made of? What are the ratings that you see with them? Like SFI and FIA. Yeah, kind what's of,
0: what's the difference?
1: So SFI is a United States standard, mm-hmm. and then FIA is kind of more global. Right. So in Europe, you see FIA a lot. So our suits that we have are dual homologated. Okay. So FIA and SFI, and then with SFI, you have like levels one, three, five, and so on. Okay. All of our suits meet level five standard. So as you and I were talking about earlier, that covers essentially 95% of pretty much any racing that you want to get into. Now with the exception of like drag racing, you get the specialty fuels and things like that. And the, they require an SFI level 10, 15, something okay. like that, I believe. And those are five year rated suits, unfortunately. An SFI level five and lower, you don't have to have it recertified. As long as it doesn't have any holes or tears or anything like that, you're good to go. Okay. So these guys doing chump racing, these guys doing lemons or NASA, whatever the case be, they can have the suit. And as long as they take care of it, that thing, that suit can last them through their entire, you know, racing career, if you will. Right. Of NASA racing, obviously you probably want to replace it after. <laughs> yeah, it's going to get pretty nasty. Years. Yeah. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> now, uh, what's
0: what's the proper care for you know some of the garments like?
1: Wad it up, throw it in the back of the car. Yeah. No, no, I'm just messing. <laughs> that seems to be what everybody thinks. That's I don't to know increase why. sales,
0: man. You just wad it up, throw it in the back of the car, and then eventually you're going to need a new suit. Yeah. Because right? you're treating it like that. And then
1: that. throw it in the washer, put it on hot cycle, and then put it on the dryer and under high heat, you know, then you're fine. Yeah. I don't know. Disregard everything I just said, really. So on the suits, they are a delicate piece. You really want to take care of them. It's just like if you had your motorcycle leather jacket, whatever the case be, you're not just going to take it off and throw it on the floor at home. Yeah. You shouldn't do the same with your driving suit. However, more often than not, I see a lot of guys after track days, they're so tired and exhausted, they just take the suit off, throw it in the back of the car, and you know that suit sits there for three, five days, if not the full week until the next round. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> really what you should do, get out of the suit, put it on a hanger, put it in somewhere nice, cool, dry. You don't have to wash it every time. It's not recommended, really. You Just let it dry, air dry. If you do want to wash it, you can do something as simple as cold water, gentle cycle, with something like Woolite, if you want to. There's another product out there in the market called Molecule. Okay. So you can use Molecule to do it. But, again, you don't have to wash your suit every week. Just let it air dry. Use some Febreze on it. Take the you know, funk out of it, and you should be good to go for a while.
0: Okay. What about for uh, for taking care of stains, like on some of the lighter-colored suits? You know, if they've if they've gotten dirty, uh, how can you kind of bring that vibrance back?
1: Well, that's kind of the necessary evil of it. Whenever it's on the lighter suits, especially whenever you're in open-wheel competitions, mm-hmm. a lot of that is dirt and oil, yeah. which really just doesn't come out. It doesn't come out very easily. So whenever you are washing it, a lot of times that wool light will take out at least the top layer of it. But after that, if you've got oil stains in it, that's really hard to get out.
0: Okay. Now, is it uh, similar care for some of the gloves and different things like that too? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, just kind of let them dry out? Because I know for me, for a while, I was just kind of wadding them up and throwing them in my helmet, you know, and then putting my helmet in my helmet bag.
1: Those are a little bit more forgiving. Okay. But it is still recommended. Just take them off, put them somewhere nice. Just let them dry out. It does have the sweat from your palms and such. It's really not all that bad. Just let them dry out. Should okay. Be fine.
0: Okay. Yeah, I just wasn't sure with you know with Nomex and stuff if there was certain precautions that need to be taken to keep the flame retardant. Um, you know, uh, that's kind of a misnomer. would it be okay?
1: Yeah, because SFI on the level one suits, that's your entry level suit. Those are actually coated. That's a coating that's on the suit itself. So it's not really aromatic fibers. Okay. Like what we're using or Nomex fibers. So it's not a, a fire retardant suit. Okay. It's actually a coating. It's like on there. scotch and, bright almost. like. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, exactly. So that can actually wear after time. Okay. On an SFI Level 1 suit, you do absolutely want to replace that after one to two seasons, depending on how heavy of usage you do with it. And you okay. certainly don't want to wash those very often at all. Yeah. Because, again, that coating has a tendency to degrade after time.
0: Well, you said all of the suits that Alpine Stars makes are all five and above?
1: Yeah, they're all SFI Level 5 okay. only.
0: Okay. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So you don't have to worry about, you know, any special coding or anything.
1: No, not at all. And that's that's what's cool about it. Like I say, if you do happen to accidentally throw it in the washer and you have it on a hot cycle, it's not going to be the end of the world. If it has the screen printing on it, like some of our higher-end suits, you might destroy the screen printing on the suit. But its actual safety capabilities are still, still there. there. Okay. Yeah. Awesome.
0: Now, I know along the lines of suits, uh, we were talking earlier that you guys actually have a new suit. Um, it seems to be a, a pretty remarkable value. You want to tell us about that a little bit?
1: Yeah, definitely. This year we released our new Knoxville suit. This is an entry-level suit that is really squarely designed to go after the grassroots market because this is a huge market. You have your midget racers, your 410 wing sprints, all of these guys. They're the working class. They spend a lot of money on their cars, and they spend a lot of waking hours on their car. Uh, this so They burn the candle at both ends. Coming to the end of the day on Friday, they're ready to go out to the track. Well, safety gear is usually the last thing on their mind. right? And then a $1,000 suit is certainly not in their budget a lot of times, at least not immediately. That might be something that they could plan for. But really in the interim, they need something to cover them. And we wanted Alpine Stars to really set the benchmark there as well because we've been able to do it in every other aspect so far. So in all of your road racing and things like that, we dominate in those areas. Now it's grassroots that we're going after because this is a huge market, huge demand. The suit is now 399. It's hard to beat. It's one of the lightest on the market. It's a multi-layer suit. Still SFI level five. SFI SFI rated. So this thing will get you in all the racing you want to do. Chump racing, lemons, you name it. Yeah. And awesome colorways. It's the one you saw over here was red and black. A lot of people look at a red suit and they think about that kind of a dingy red kind of like a maroonish. Yeah. This is screaming alpine red. You know, this is not your average red. Yeah. So you'll be noticed. It's an awesome, awesome suit. And really, since we released it in October, the sales have been fantastic on it. And I was just telling you earlier, I've been out of stock on this thing every time. (laughs) Every time more come in, they're right out the door. Yeah. It's a good problem to have. It is. It really is. Yeah, it's better than the alternative, obviously, (laughs) And I have a lot of explaining to do. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, so now from that, I mean, that's your that's your entry-level suit.
1: Um, where do you kind of go up from there? So from there, you can move on to our GP start suit. So you get a few other amenities with it. It's a little bit lighter, a little bit more breathable. Then you move on up to our GP race. Again, a few more amenities. And then a new suit that we just released that falls in line just after that is our GP Pro suit. GP Pro suit is awesome. It's a boot cut suit. But it gives you all the stretchable panels and breathable panels, like what you would find in our GP Tech suit. So to put it in perspective, our GP Tech suit is a cuff-bottom suit that a lot of road racers will use, Porsche Cup drivers, and so on. Very breathable, very lightweight. But that suit is seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. That's out of the budget range for some people. The GP Pro suit, however, comes in at a thousand dollars. Okay. And it's more designed for the U.S. market with that boot cut design. So it kind of blends. You know, best of both worlds there. Yeah. Yeah. And then with Alpine Stars, the way that we make all of our products, though that Knoxville suit is an entry-level suit, we didn't degrade it in any manner, if you will, from the most important aspects of design. So it's all the details like we were talking about earlier. With our suits being ergonomically designed, when you get in it and you're standing up, it may not feel very good. But as soon as you sit down in a seat and you get, you actually get into the driving position, you really feel exactly what Alpine stars is all yeah. about. Just
0: like riding leathers, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean,
1: they're super uncomfortable when you're standing. Yeah. If you've ever seen riding leathers hanging on a hanger, they're already pre-bent. Yeah. I mean, arms are bent, <laughs> legs are bent. It's arched and a little bit. For me,
0: because I'm, uh, I have a kind of a unique body type. <laughs> uh, when I'm standing, my knee pucks look more like ankle pucks. <laughs> And so I have to use my boots to kinda of hold them up. <laughs> so uh yeah. luckily I don't have to do that with a driving suit,
1: but <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. We don't have the knee pucks on the driving suit, so you're yeah. fine there. Not yet. Yeah, well <laughs> I don't know if you really need those, but if you do, that's a whole nother sport <laughs> yeah, that we need right? to know about. I don't know if you're like the
0: new hybrid sport.
1: Yeah, right. You might be the pioneer on that one. Yeah, there we
0: go. It you... sounds it sounds interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. Actually right?
0: since I've been out here I've been uh, kind of getting into longboarding a little bit. Okay. And so I kind of want to get into some downhill longboarding, and I'm like, oh, man, need a leather suit, or maybe I can get away with just a karting suit.
1: <laughs> if I don't have control on handlebars or a steering wheel or something like that, I don't can't like do not like it so much? I can't do it, no. <laughs> I've tried to skateboard once, and I almost broke my neck. Yeah? Yeah, whenever I traveled <laughs> with a previous company, I had seven states, as I was telling you about. There was a skate park in El Paso, Texas, of all places, and I went over there and hung out at night, just kind of watching these kids, and I thought, I could do this. It's not a big deal. And and I was spending the weekend in El Paso. Unfortunately, it's not the destination spot. (laughs) However, I made do with it. I went to the local skate shop, picked up a skateboard, went over there at night, trying not to embarrass myself, and I waited for all the kids to leave. There's only a few people over in the far corner doing their little thing. So I started doing the skateboard thing. Well, with anything... I started to get the hang of it, and then I just go for the gusto. (laughs) There's this cool little ramp or something like that, and I started to get some speed, and I hit this thing, and I really pumped it with my legs, thinking I'm going to get some air off of it. No, man. I launched the (laughs) skateboard probably 30 feet in the air. I did a complete backflip and landed on my head, and uh, it took me just a a few seconds to kind of realize what I had just done (laughs) and— And then I'm looking around to see who just witnessed this because I'm going to have to kill somebody in various some bodies. <laughs> very, very embarrassing. Yeah, so that's... that was the last of my skateboarding.
0: <laughs> okay. First, first and only, right?
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if it's a bicycle, I'm game. Yeah. Yeah. All day long. But if I don't have control of it with my hands, not happening. See, th-
0: the hardest thing for me with skateboarding and downhill skateboarding is that there's no brakes. That's the thing that scares me the most. That's true. But... Yeah, that's
1: another thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's another reason. If I have control over it with my hands and all that, it's at least so I have bad. a little bit more control of how I could steer it, yeah. and where I can go with it. But Maybe we can start downhill
0: downhill scootering. Like, get the razor scooters, <laughs> go downhill scooting on those, <laughs> wearing karting suits.
1: Be perfect, right? You might as well just go ahead and go get the leather moto suit. Yeah, yeah, you're much better off on that. Or yeah, we could we could start downhill
0: karting, unpowered go
1: kart chassis. Isn't that just soapbox racing? Yeah, but that's a straight line, right? Oh, <laughs> well, I guess there's little chicane's. Oh well, yeah. What's the one that Red Bull used to do? Um, it was like a soapbox derby. Yeah. but They had obstacles.
0: Yeah, they still do it. They had one Didn't in they? Atlanta just like last fall, I think. Oh, I'd love to do that. So yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, I feel like it's the like downhill derby or something that they do, and people make all sorts of contraptions.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it looks like a hysterically good time. Yeah. <laughs> so if you move out here and you're down for it, let's build we'll do one. That. And we'll do it. There we yeah. go, man. There we go. Yeah. Now we have to do it independently, obviously, because I doubt Alpine Stars is going to put me on their insurance policy to do yeah. that one. But nonetheless, That's we'll right. have a hell of a time. If with there's it.
0: videos, it'll make a good, like, Commercial that can go on YouTube that isn't Alpine Stars, but it is Alpine Stars. <laughs> like, watch this kid slide in his Alpine Stars cart suit suit down, like, you know, a half mile of road from yeah, right? 80 miles an hour. On or hits a hit the hay bale and does somersaults <laughs> yeah. down the road,
1: whatever the case be. Yeah. Everybody loves carnage.
0: Yeah, it'll be like unintentional jackass. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's what it can That's be. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good way to so, put it. Absolutely.
0: Well, how long have you been with Alpine Stars? I know we were talking before that you've actually held different jobs in the performance industry, you know, Mm kind of before you you swapped over to apparel. Mm -hmm. Um, Where'd you come from?
1: My career has essentially been in the automotive industry, uh, all of it, actually. I can only think of about one other job, two other jobs, sandwich shop or something like that when I was a kid. But really, whenever I started coming into it, I started out at a speed shop in Oklahoma City, and I just moved up from there. So I've been with Alpine Stars since June of last year. I came over from Cosworth and I was the national sales manager there for the United States doing the aftermarket products, so all the internal engine componentry and things like that. And then I came over to Alpine Stars, and this has just been a phenomenal ride so far.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I'm pretty jealous, man. I really am. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not that Cosworth was uh, you know, bleak by any stretch of the imagination, but this is just a whole other level. Again, you and I were talking about earlier, my background is typically hard parts. And That's what I've been into the speed shops and with MagnaFlow performance exhaust Cosworth, and then now coming over to Alpine Stars with apparel. This is a whole nother get ball game for me. Though the basics for the sales side of it with distribution sales, that I know like the back of my hand. Right. But with apparel, it's just so much different. It's a different clientele. It's a different product. But it's so neat. Yeah. And it's it's a kind of a breath of fresh air almost. <laughs> you know, you want a little bit of a change. Yeah. Which I did, but I didn't want to get out of the industry. So right. this is awesome. It's perfect, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I we were this.
0: talking before you're a motorcyclist yourself too. So definitely you know, working here and then being involved in the car mm-hmm. stuff and everything too. Yeah.
1: It's, it's perfect. Well, what's funny, I came on board in June, and as you see, we're pretty casual here. Yeah. I'm in jeans and a t-shirt and my riding boots because I rode my motorcycle in. Since I have to commute from Huntington Beach and traffic here is terrible, as we spoke about. But I came in and I was in Alpine Star's shirts already. I said, "Oh, you already have shirts. So who got you shirts?" I said, "Oh no, no, no I've had. had, them had for these. Years. You guys had <laughs> parking lot sales back in the day, and whenever I moved out to California about ten years ago, I got it hooked up with a motorcycle group, and we'd always go do group rides, whether it be at Julian or somewhere like that. Well, a couple of them used to be coming up here to Alpine Stars to check out the parking lot sales that they did. So I have a flood of Alpine Star's gear already in my closet along with all my moto gear that I was riding with too. So yeah. they were like, oh, okay. Got it. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's pretty neat. I mean we all kind of cross paths here uh, as far as the divisions go. So with the mountain biking side of things, we've got some guys over there, they're just crazy. Yeah. They're building some wicked bikes. I mountain bike too, so I go out and ride with them. And then we're always talking about car stuff. Some of them are building their own little rides. Even though I don't work in those divisions, I still love what they do and vice versa. Yeah. You know, on the motor side of things, we all ride. You saw how many bikes are down <laughs> in the parking lot, including mine. Yeah. There's there's a lot of them, man. It's awesome.
0: So, But, I mean, rightfully so. You know, there's no race cars out there,
1: but... <laughs> That's in the back. I mean, we can't leave those out front. Yeah. I mean, come on. No, no, no. All so, those are in our garage, but... Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, right. So
0: for uh, for some of the the apparel stuff, I mean, a lot of people know that um, things are constantly changing, which kind of keeps things fresh and styles fresh and everything. Um, you know, when – besides, like, holes and things like that, when is the right time to kind of look start looking for a new suit, in your opinion? You know, if somebody has one that's a little worn and, you know, you can still get the stench out of it, can they still keep, you know, keep wearing it as long as it doesn't really have any holes or anything? Or, you know, mm-hmm. is there – I know we were talking before that there's really not, uh, at least for those those level five suits, there's really not a, you know, a certification timeline.
1: Um, but when do you generally recommend that people, you know, start looking for another suit? Just whenever you have the money, really. Okay. Because honestly, the styling is subjective. You may not like this year's styling, but you love last year's styling, and vice versa. Again, you may not like what we had last year, but the new GP Pro suits are out and has a pretty wicked Alpine Stars flair to it that a lot of people seem to gravitate to. So it's got some high-vis colors, like the green and the orange and things like that. So if a guy had the budget for it and he waited long enough and he saw that suit come out, he's like, I want that now. But then there again, you've got the guy right next to him that walked in the store and he sees you know, a suit that was a year or two years old, if it just still happens to be on the rack for some reason. The guy's like, that is the one for me. So really, it just comes down to what's your budget? Because okay. really, we've got such great distributors across the country, you can find any one of our suits available pretty much anywhere you go. And if they don't have it in stock, they can order it, and they can have it pretty quick. So really, what does your budget allow for? And if you're going to wait for the new products to be released, wait until January. So if that's kind of where you were going with that, I think I would wait until January. Just kind of scope it out. See what we have coming down the pipe for, say, 2017 coming up. If you don't quite gravitate towards some of the colorways that we have coming there, then look back at the 2016 and see if there's something that you really love there too.
0: Okay, now as far as you know, safety equipment goes, I mean it really works together as a as a full system. You know, like between the you know the shoes and the gloves and the suits and everything and the underwear. Um, but I know sometimes people don't necessarily have the funds to kind of get all of that at once. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in your opinion, what is the most important piece you know to buy to protect yourself? Um, you know, if you if you could only buy, like, one piece and then add on from there, you know, as you as you get the budget, especially for the track day guys that want to get into safety, yeah. but it's not quite required for what they're doing, mm-hmm. um, you know, where do you usually point those guys?
1: I would absolutely start at the suit. I okay. mean, that should be numero uno on anybody's list. If you're looking for safety equipment, uh, short of the helmet and things like that, right. of course, the helmet would be number one. Right. But we don't do helmets, so let's focus on my product. <laughs> so as far as... Uh, the safety gear it would absolutely have to be the suit because you're protecting all your vitals if you burn any of this uh, any of your main torso any of that that's pretty bad yeah you can get away with burning your hands burning your feet you know that's it sucks it's pretty bad but it's not nearly as bad as if you burn anything else on your body right? right so really the suit's got to be number one the shoes are great way to go and the gloves are as well but, you know, those also act as a performance enhancer as well because the shoes, the way that we design them, you know, either with just standard leather or kangaroo leather for advanced feel, but really the sole structures in the way that we design those shoes, they're very unique in the industry. They're very, very thin. So you get 100% feedback through them and okay. they're very flexible. So as you're heeling and towing, things like that, as you know, I mean, we we use all of our senses yeah. whenever we race, whenever we drive the car. So we're not just hearing it we're not just smelling it we're not just feeling it we're using all of it right right? part of that comes through our feet part of that comes through our hands part of that comes through our butt the shoes will help you with that so you can really feel as you're on the throttle on the brakes you can really feel is there something amiss in my brakes if if i got a wheel that's about to come off whatever the case be (laughs) you know and then obviously the safety aspect of it they are sfi rated so if you do have a fire in the box thank god your feet aren't going to get burned yeah if they do it won't be tragic And the same thing goes with the gloves. You know, it's really a performance enhancer, especially with our new 2016 lineup that we just released. It's a full synthetic palm that's on it, or a silicone palm, rather, that's on it, and it's just awesome, man. You grab a hold of a suede wheel, a steel wheel, factory wheel, you name it, man. These gloves are awesome. They're just not going to go anywhere, but they're thin enough to give you proper feedback. So, again, you can feel if there's anything amiss, and it's not going to be cumbersome. So you'd be in that car for endurance racing and all that. And these gloves are just not going to impede on your focus, and that's really the most important thing. Is you don't want your focus to be yeah obscured.
0: Yeah, you yeah. want to be as comfortable as you can be. And then I've <clears throat> I've owned some gloves before, especially motorcycle gloves that don't have uh, quite the right fit, mm-hmm. um, and it really it it's takes away. Yeah, I mean your hands end up going numb. So obviously you're not really supporting your weight as much as you are when you're you know driving as you would when you're on a motorcycle, but yeah. still, you know, sometimes there'll be like that weird seam or mm-hmm. kind of like socks, yeah. you know, like socks will have that seam on the front Oh, absolutely. Uh, that, you know, you'll, your toes will just like catch and it just, just enough to be there to yeah. kind of, you know, mess with you. So, uh, you know, with your products not having any of that, um, you know, just really kind of focusing on comfort in addition to safety.
1: Yeah. And that um, goes back to, we don't want to skimp on the the major details, which right. happen to be the minor things like the flat seams flat internal seams, you know, the lightness of the material, the way that it's woven, the way that it's stitched, all of that, It's all rolls into one complete package. So whenever you get in a car, you think about, like you and your S2000 when you had that at Road Atlanta, you're going through the gears, you're banging through there, there's a lot of movement with your legs, your arms, your torso, all of that. If you had a real cumbersome suit, now you're focused on trying to fight that suit yeah. while you're fighting the steering wheel, trying to fight these corners, fighting the gearbox, that's an endless saga right that you don't want yeah. to have to deal with <laughs> you get into a nice suit that fits you well and then you can move and that now you're not distracted by that now you can focus on am i hitting second gear am i making the apex of this corner now you can focus on what you should really be focused on right. not the fight of your suit
0: now right? what's uh what's kind of the the general like the general rule as far as fitment of suits goes how do you Know how to find one that fits. Obviously, you know most of the time if you're going to be trying one on, you're going to be in a store where somebody's mm-hmm. going to be available to help you. Uh, but for those of you that you know might be looking at, you know, borrowing a suit from your buddy or something, how do you make sure that you know that it fits just right?
1: I wouldn't borrow the one from my buddy because it probably <laughs> stinks yeah. and he probably hasn't washed it. <laughs> Certainly not going to be the suit that I want to get in. Right. Uh, however, if you are going to go and check out a suit online. Absolute best thing to do is either go to our website and check out our sizing chart, or a lot of my distributors, uh, resellers, have excellent sizing charts as well. If you call them, they're all extremely friendly. This is, as you know, an extremely small world that this industry is. So really, everybody knows everybody, even though it seemingly is huge. It's a small (laughs) world. Reach out to these guys. It's a lot of smaller shops, and their technical staff are truly technical. They know what it is. A lot of them are racers like you and I. Right. So they know exactly what they're talking about. If you're not sure, just call one of the guys. Yeah. They're super cool. <laughs> Our group here in Torrance, California is awesome. But if you don't want to talk to us for some particular reason and you're over in Atlanta, uh, call up some of those guys over there. Mm-hmm. They'll give you some excellent input. But really, look at those sizing charts. They're pretty true to size. Okay. And you'll see that the Alpine Star suits, they actually have an athletic fit. So it's not really a box design. As what some people might be used to, especially if you're a drag racer from the old school, you know, you remember the suit was just something you had to have, right? And nobody gave a squat about how they were designed, as long as it covered your body. And then again, it was that, that constant fight that you had. You're know, like, I'm only in the same for two minutes, drag racing. Thank God I can get out of it whenever I'm done. Well, now that we've expanded into different racing sanctions, now these guys are in these suits for a long time. Now yeah. they want something comfortable. So it just really boils down to that.
0: Yeah. And so for some of those endurance racers, too, make sure you leave a little room for a diaper, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you get your depends on, leave a little bit of room for that. Yeah. And then hopefully you do wash that suit afterwards. Yeah. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. Don't just
0: hang it out to dry, especially if it's a white one, man. You might develop oh some God. weird
1: stains. Yeah. Please don't do that. Yeah. That's going to be a pretty nasty one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So now for, uh, for like some of the crew suits and everything, um, you know, is that pretty much the same rating? Yeah. Um, you know, someone obviously for a lot of the Trump car races and stuff, most people just use their driving suits. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, from that standpoint, uh, obviously they're going to get dirty, uh, and you might have to to clean it up. But mm-hmm. do pretty much the safety ratings work the same way for for the crew the crew type suits too?
1: I can't speak as far as to what the actual regulations call for. Okay. I think they don't call for as advanced of a suit, right, for the crew. Okay. It depends on the sanctioning body. So NASA could be different than SECA and so on. Okay. So you really need to look if anybody's a particular is
0: organization that you're running with.
1: Yeah, exactly. So if you're really looking into getting into that, you really need to analyze the rules heavily and make sure that you know exactly what you're getting into. However, on my side of things, I absolutely do recommend that you still use the same suit that you're using as a driver. Because again, if you get into a fuel fire, even though if it's in the pits or something, you could probably run away. But if it's on you and you have to stop, drop, and roll or something like that, it may take a minute to get that fire out. Yeah, And uh, <laughs> you want as much time as you can before you get burned. And really, that, the SFI rating, a lot of people don't understand it, but that level 5, which just simply puts you into a particular category, and to boil it all down, you have X amount of seconds. And we're talking seconds. So you have X amount of seconds before you have a second-degree blistering burn. And that's what SFI is rating for. That's how it's measured. Okay. Yeah, that's how it's measured. So whenever you're looking at that rating, you know that that suit has been fire tested and things like that, uh, every other test that they do. But what they're looking for is when do you get a second-degree blistering burn? Okay. So just know, you may have 8 to 10 seconds roughly in an SFI level 5 suit, but that's before you have a blistering second-degree burn, man. So I want the hell out of (laughs) it. I want to... I don't I won't yeah, be That can't be a fun quickly. job
0: testing that, man. You wear it and light yourself on fire, right? I think and we start have an a opening. stopwatch. Yeah. I think we have an opening. <laughs> okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
1: You said you want to move out to California, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, it could be a short <laughs> stint for you.
0: So, yeah, the uh I hear the job market for that's really hot. Yeah, right, booming. Booming. Yeah, right. <laughs> so <laughs> Well, what kind of cars have you messed around with yourself? I know we were talking a little bit earlier that uh, you know, back home uh, you have a, a little project car that has been a project since you moved out here. but
1: Yeah, it's one of those out-of-sight, out-of-mind things. Yeah. It's, if it's not there in front of your face, you kind of forget about it a little bit. Yeah. You kind of neglect it a bit. So ever since I was a kid, my dad, he was always wrenching on things. Different cars, drag cars, street cars, and then just junk the bot and fix and sell. You know, So I've always been turning a wrench with him. He brought me up with it. So my heart lies with muscle cars, street cars, and classic cars. Okay. And that's really where I go for. As you and I were talking about, my project back home is an Oldsmobile 442. And for any of my friends that might be listening from Oklahoma, they know of the 442 that I used to drive to high school (laughs) in Oklahoma. Big black beast with used to be a red and blue stripe down the side of it. It was some weird 80s thing that the guy put on the car. But the red had faded to kind of like a pinkish color. Yeah, right? So you already see what's coming here, right? So it was kind of embarrassing, but it was embarrassing for them whenever they used to try to race me because I had the big block holds in it. Yeah. Yeah. So I I built that to a 468 cube big block. Okay. Probably not the motor that a high school kid needed. (laughs) So much fun, though. So we did a lot of street racing out there in Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. The new car is an 86 model, though. So it's more along the lines of a Grand National. Right. But. That big block that I built for my high school car, that's actually being transplanted to this car. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. This car will actually have twin turbos with fuel injection. Nice. It'll be detuned a little bit. It's going to be a street car. It's not going to be anything crazy like what you see on Street Outlaws or any of that stuff. It's really going to be a street car. It's set up for pro touring. Okay. So, it's got huge meats underneath it all you the doing way around. Doing any
0: suspension work to it? Or? Yeah. Okay. It's got
1: air ride on all four corners. Nice. Uh, it's mini tubbed in the back. Yeah. It sits nearly on the ground without the air. Okay. It's got a six point cage in it so I don't twist the T tops off whenever <laughs> the torque hits. Yeah, it's.
0: Yeah, it's funny. The, the, the cage isn't for safety, it's for chassis rigidity. Yeah, in right?
1: that case, yeah. Well, I'll, I mean, it's for safety too. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, what's funny is, you know, I've had this car for such a long time and it's gone through so many different evolutions, if you will. I really put the cage in it because I was going to drag race the car. Okay. I was building it for a drag car, at least a street drag. Yeah. You know, and then I've, I've got, oh, man, I saw a uh, pro-touring car and just fell in love with it. It just looks so beautiful it stance. It looks, looks like it's going 100 miles an hour. Yeah. It's going to eat your lunch, just sitting still. But then whenever you put it on an autocross course or something like that, they just handle so phenomenally. And I just really kind of fell in love with that look and that performance, and that's what I wanted to go for. And so far, knock on wood, I haven't changed my mind yet, and I'm too far invested in it now to to, to turn back, really. Yeah. And I really have to give a shout-out to my dad. He's the one who actually bought the car for me Okay. as a college car. Huh. Uh, it was agreed upon. Once I graduated high school, he'd get me a car to go to college in as long as I go to college. And we picked up that car, and that was supposed to be my go-to car. And I had that big block from my other car sitting in the garage, and it just killed me to see it on an engine <laughs> stand. Finally, I found that Mondello had headers for it, for that car that would fit a big block. So it had around the chassis uh, tubes, okay, right, for number seven and eight cylinders. So it just wrapped around because that motor is so big. Yeah. So I saw those, and that just kind of put everything into gear in the motion. So I bought those headers, and I ripped out the old motor. Put in the big block in it. I ripped out the interior, started rewiring everything. And that's whenever I really went crazy. And then did the uh, cage work in it and all of that. And, oh, man. Uh, like I say, I have to give him a shout-out because there was a night. I did all this at night, right? I'd come in. I'd just burn the midnight oil because I'm pretty nocturnal. So I, I get the hacksaw out, and I cut the entire firewall out of this car. <laughs> There's zero firewall left in this car. And that's whenever I had that moment. Of realization that whose father in the world would allow their son to just chop up a car like yeah, this. Like this right? is
0: awesome.
1: Oh, right. And he actually encouraged it. I mean, he yeah. was so cool about it. He was, he was living in Florida at that time. He had moved to Florida for a couple of years. So I was still at our house in Oklahoma I was out in the garage doing all of this. It must've been 2 AM. <laughs> and I just took that moment. I grabbed my phone. I sent him a text. I was like, Hey, thank you very much for everything you've done. I love you. And that sent him a picture of the firewall. <laughs> so I don't know if he dropped his beer or, yeah. or what, but you know he just said, I love you too. That was yeah. all. It, I'm sure he had some other choice words for me at that point. But today he he's cool about it. Yeah. He's very cool about it.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, you know, you gotta get that car done and kinda bring it out here at some point.
1: That's kind of the idea. We'll see what happens. California with their laws and regulations, very, very strict, so we'll yeah. have to continuously be registered in Oklahoma. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'll never be able to get it smogged <laughs> out here because it will not have any catalysts. That's what I'm dealing with that. right
0: now because the wagon is actually straight piped with no cats. Yeah, oh, yeah, So never it's gonna... two and a half inch pipe from the turbo back to the stock muffler, and yeah. it's already under the uh, the microscope by California just with the whole diesel
1: scandal thing going on, anyway. So oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so... at least they're not stopping you on the side of the highway and checking your cars. Not yet.
0: With how much sit there is on the back right now, they probably could, but... <laughs> oh, man.
1: There's other problems out there. There's so many other beater cars I've seen out there on the highway, man. I don't think you're going to be the first one to pull over, I promise. <laughs> Let's I hope
0: promise. not. <laughs> yeah,
1: but if you move out here, you're going to have a few other issues to have to deal with until yeah. then. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So now what's uh, what's kind of on the horizon for, for Alpine Stars this year that you can discuss? <laughs> Anything?
1: <laughs> <laughs> not a lot that I can discuss. Okay. We are um, in the process of... Looking at our new products for 2017. Okay. So typically we release that to our dealers towards the end of the year. And we have a big dealer gathering. So I can't give out any of the specifics for that. But the biggest thing really is simply just that Knoxville suit, the GP Pro suit, and all the new gloves that we released for this year. Those are the biggest highlight. And really just kind of riding it out and making the most of our season right now because we're hot and heavy as we talk. So you texted me the other day, and it literally took me, I think, two days to get back to you. So I really do apologize. It's I'm all right, I'm usually man. a lot faster at getting back to people. But, man, I was just so buried for the last couple of weeks. It happens. Yeah, right? Yeah, don't feel bad. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah, it's a good thing for sure.
0: So now, um, you know, as far as gear and kind of accessories go, do you guys have any, I guess, automotive-specific bags, like gear bags for people to use? Or are they kind of crossovers from, you know, from some of the motorcycle You know, side or? Yes and yes. Okay.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) they really are automotive bags. Uh, They're just giant gear bags. So think about your motocross bag. that will hold your helmet, your neck brace and boots and everything else. The exact same bag is used for the auto side. So, yeah, we do have them. They're huge. I use one as my sample bag. It looks intimidating. Every time I walk up to the baggage claim uh, or the baggage check at the airport, they always have that wide-eyed look at me. And they think this thing is going to be clearly overweight. <laughs> but I'm such a master at it now. I'm packing that gear bag. It's usually 49.6, you know, 49.8. Oh, man, nine point just eight.
0: right there.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm right on the mark before <laughs> they're trying to tag me for an extra 50 bucks or whatever the case be. You yeah. Know? Yeah, definitely. So I've got it down to a science. I'd love to carry a lot more product with me whenever I go see dealers because, again, I've got such an expansive product line yeah. from karting to auto.
0: And it's only getting bigger.
1: Yeah, and it's only getting bigger. So, really, I only take the newest and hottest items okay. in my bag with me. Okay. If they want to see everything else, I'll just have to wait. I'll have to have them come out here to California and show them the small little room that we're in. and <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, for uh, for some of the cart stuff, I know we were talking earlier over, you know, we were kind of looking through everything. Uh, what are the big differences between cart suits and car suits? Because we're starting to kind of get into carting a little bit. Uh, and I actually had a friend that came down to Atlanta and has been doing some carting, but he's been using his car suit to do some karting with, and um, obviously doesn't have the abrasion resistance and everything that uh, you know that an actual kart suit does. So I know that's probably not probably not recommended.
1: No, not recommended. <laughs> and you hit it right on the head. It's the abrasion resistance that you're going to be getting out of the karting suit. See, the karting suits don't have a fire rating to them. They're not SFI rated. Okay. Really, they're built. If you go and you feel the suits with your hands, and you see them in person, you see that they're a completely different makeup. They look the same on the rack from afar but once you really get up on it you really tell the difference of it and they're uniquely designed for that type of racing whether it be karting or auto so you put your hands on a karting suit you think man this thing is fairly thick it's pretty robust it's man yeah you could really hit some pavement on this thing and probably walk away unscathed yeah your buddy that's going to come out of that cart, <laughs> unfortunately in a auto suit might not not the same benefits well. yeah yeah yeah. you might have some good road rash going on yeah now if <laughs> you know, that little fuel tank between your legs erupts or something like that, then he's better off than the guy with the cart suit on. Right. You know, but it's few and far between if that ever happens. You just
0: need to add some fire protection around the crotch area. In the crotch area? Yeah. Yeah. There you go. I'll use that as a new product suggestion. (laughs) There you go. Fantastic. (laughs) Perfect.
1: See, I was going to say, we're always about setting the benchmark, and this is how we do it. And, you know, we laugh about this, but this is truly how we've evolved. We deal with all the pro racers across all spectrums of racing, and it's really their input, mm-hmm. including all the way down to club level. So, NASA, FARA, uh, SCCA, all those guys. We listen to what they say. It's their input that really dictates what our product line does. And I think know, that's what makes a difference, too. Hmm? So. Yeah, because we try to have a, a finger on the pulse to see what the need is out there. That's where that Knoxville suit came from. I mean, guys love our suits. They've either been in them since they were kids, karting, you know, they've had our karting suits. They were in, you know, like you said, the Briggs class, or whatever the case be. Now they've grown up to wing sprints, or they've gone into factory modifieds, or they're going into NASA racing, something like that, club racing. Now they want another suit. Yeah. And we didn't have the right suit for the grassroots market. We have suits that work excellent in that market, but we just didn't have the right one and the right price point. Um, now we do with that Knoxville.
0: Right. And what's nice about it, too, is that it's it's going to be durable, too. So you can buy it, you know, as an entry-level suit, mm-hmm. but still be able to, you know, move up the ranks with mm-hmm. the
1: same suit. So. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so again, it's all the small details. The particular fibers that we use are no less than what we use on, say, a GP race or a GP start suit. It's just simply the the design structure is a little bit different. You don't have quite the amenities, right? A little simpler construction, and I mean, you think about like a fine mm -hmm. car, like a Mercedes or a Porsche, or you name it, you know, X Y Z Ferrari. There's some awesome qualities to those cars, you know, the leather, the the motors. I mean, come on, the handling capabilities. Or you have your Hondas, Miatas, and so on. You know, they're they're good little cars, but do you want more amenities? Yeah. So like some people move up to a Mercedes because they're just plush. Yeah. They're very nice to drive around. Well, it's because of the amenities that yeah. you're afforded. And
0: you, <laughs> yeah, and you can afford them, too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So
1: the same thing applies with apparel. I mean, you can have some exceptional gear that doesn't cost you a lot. You can have some even more phenomenal gear that fits you and just gives you so much more whenever you, your budget allows for it, and you start moving up in the ranks of our suits. But just because you're taking, quote-unquote, an entry-level suit, you don't have to have that same stigma that this is just going to be atrocious. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what... We're set out to do. We're here to change your mind, and again, really set the benchmark and show these other companies what they're really playing with. Yeah, you know, that we want to play in the sandbox too. And here it is. Here's your new benchmark. Yeah, um, it's something for them to chase after.
0: Okay, awesome. Well, where can people find out more about Alpine Stars?
1: Should just go to our website, alpinestars.com. Okay. If you want to check out my product line specifically, obviously up in the header, check out Auto, and you'll see all the suits, gloves, shoes, underwear. If you want to type it all in, www.alpinestars.com forward slash auto. Okay. And it'll get you right there to it as well. Or, hell, just search it in Google.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Alpine Stars
1: Auto Suits. And you'll see a plethora of them come up. Okay. And how can people get a hold of you if they need to? 911. Yeah? (laughs) There you go, man. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. If they need to get a hold of me, they're more than welcome to call us here at the office in Torrance. The number is there on our website. Or you can shoot me a quick email my email address is auto.us1 at com. I welcome any and all feedback and comments. If you just want to reach out and say, hey, that's cool, too. Okay. Let me know where you're going to be. And if I'm there, then definitely walk up to me, shake my hand, tell me hi. I'm down for a beer every now and then. So if you're buying, I'm there.
0: <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, we really appreciate your time, Chris. Thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we look forward to talking to you in the future. Yeah, I had a great time, Austin. Thanks. Same here. Thank you.